Wayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Melbourne Cup Eve. We've got a massive show for you today. We've got some great prizes to give away. So jump on the line. Midday Madness for Work Locker, Caram Downs and Packenham. Unlock, stocked and full of value. Work where for wherever you work. Simply visit worklocker.com.au. You know the Midday Madness promise. You call... You get on a host of topics to get through, and uh, welcome to everyone around the country. I know that you people in Melbourne have got time to call, because let's be honest, 80% of you lazy sods have taken the day off, and you've got a four-day weekend, so there's no excuse for not calling. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Werribee Kia open line, awarded National Car Dealer of the Year, where the customer comes first, and plenty coming through already on the 40 Winks Temper Tech 0433 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Big guest list today. Uh, first hour, none other than the three-time Melbourne Cup winning jockey, the one that steered Maccabi Diva to those famous cups in 03, 04 and 05. Glenn Boss is going to join us. Adam Gilchrist towards the back end of the show to chat all things Cricket World Cup. AFLW finals. Finalists have been settled. The Cats host the Bombers on Sunday. Nina Morrison, Cat star, who dominated yesterday against A-Rod Hawks, will join us. Tommy Greer, good win again at home for the Phoenix. There's not many better. It'd have to be the best rivalry in the A-League, wouldn't it? Melbourne v Adelaide. And again on Saturday night, there was goals, there was cards, there was angst. Uh, Stefan Negro will join us uh, from the victory uh, uh, to discuss uh, that game. And Brett Phillips, of course, on a Monday, talking all things uh, tennis, particularly the end-of-year finals in the WTA and the ATP. So just a couple of topics. So we're not going to know until tomorrow morning whether Damien Oliver uh, gets a chance uh, to ride in one more Melbourne Cup. So just thinking... Name some of the athletes that have been denied a fairy tale finish. It be, could be because of injury, could be non-selection, it could be a bad loss uh, late in their career. Let us know one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Have you got any tips for the cup today? I've got no idea. And just looking at this uh, tweet from Nick Quinn: favourites don't win very often. The last three have paid twenty one eighteen and twenty six. There's only been one winning favourite between two thousand and six. And 2022. So everyone's raving about Vorban, but history says favourites do not win this race. So if you can steer us towards a winner, let us know. We'll pop into with Gareth Hall as well, of course, uh, from Giddy Up with Gareth. He's at the call of the card. So we'll just see where all the big money is coming from. And also, you know what it's like in AFL season when there's a controversial umpiring decision on the weekend. The phones absolutely light up. And I know there's a heap of English Premier League fans out there. And far be it as a Tottenham supporter for me to have any empathy, sympathy or care for Arsenal. But my goodness me, what is going on with VAR? I am fuming. Yes, Mika Alteta was fuming and so he should be. So I don't know if you saw this incident on the weekend, but if you did, the goal to Newcastle, how it stood after looking at it for four minutes, I will never know. So one, the ball might have been out of play. Hard to definitively tell because the camera doesn't go down the line. So whatever, that doesn't matter. If people sitting and watching a replay for four minutes could not see that Gabriel was pushed by Joe Linton, the Newcastle striker, God help us. 
So if you saw that and you've got a view on that, uh, give us a call, one 736 736 But let's get to Tim in Brighton, wants to kick us off with an athlete that has been denied the fairy tale finish. Go, Tim. G'day, Jules. Um, yeah, I immediately came to mind uh, Jane Saville from the 2000 oh, qualified. Wasn't that heartbreaking? I, 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 do you remember? Do you remember watching that at the time? Absolutely, and and I was just I was just cheering her on as she came into the stadium. Unbelievable! So, fifty k walk. You're nearly there. You're nearly in the stadium. Home Olympics. You're going to win. And as you are going down the hill to enter the stadium, you are disqualified. I mean, absolutely heartbreaking. I don't think it gets – that's going to be a tough one to beat. Uh, Tim, for kicking us off today, uh, we appreciate your call. I'm going to give you a $100 Archie's footwear voucher. Now, this is Campbell Brown, the king of the thongs, as he's named, known around here at SEN. Uh, Archie's thongs, so comfy, you will never take them off. And looking at the Melbourne weather – Good thong weather this week. It's going to be absolutely magnificent. Thanks for your call, Tim. Uh, Nick on the road on the same topic. G'day, Nick. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Now, are you working today, All Nick? Right. Are you working today or yeah. taking it off? I, I am working today, uh, unfortunately. It's too, too good a day, but I don't know. No, that's all right. You're a good man. You're a hard worker. Uh, I've got one for you for players or people who have missed out, athletes. Yep. One of my favourites, and I'm still devastated for him, uh, in the 2010 uh, replay, Neon Leon Davis, one of my all-time favourites. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, it was just such a great player, Leon Davis, but he just didn't get the job done in grand finals, didn't he? So there was, refresh my memory, Nick, he went out for Tyson Goldsack. Is that, was that the change between the, 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 uh, the draw yeah. and the rematch, the replay? I'm pretty sure it was. He kicked... I think he kicked one yeah, in the grand did. final, but yep. it was, and but it was a, it might have even been a Joe the Goose or whatever. It, was, it wasn't that hard. I don't think the one he got from memory, but you know, he didn't stand up in big games. But geez, I tell you what, I mean, he did everything else, and it's yeah, pretty, pretty devastating if you miss out like that. So. Yeah, it's a good one, Nick. And yeah, the, the following year he moves to half back, all Australian, plays in the grand final, plays pretty well. But unfortunately for the Pies, they lost to the Cats. It just got me thinking uh, on the same theme there, Nick. Uh, Simon Prestigiacomo was probably similar. You know, did the selfless thing, pulled out. Nathan Brown came in and did a great job. And Presti, who'd been such a good player and such a loyal servant, uh, missed out on his premiership medal as well. Absolutely, he did. It was another one that was very, very stiff. So, um, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Nick. Uh, thank you for your call. I uh, hope you can wind it up a couple hours early today, given it's almost a public holiday here in Melbourne. The streets are quiet. Would have thought it was a public holiday out there today. Let's get to Sue, uh, who's in Melbourne. G'day, Sue. Yes, good. I love how you're going. I'm good. good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, I just honestly think I've heard about this since I was a little hacker. Sir Donald Bradman yes. got robbed. <laughs> the man that made runs for fun needed four miserly little runs to have an average of 100, and he got the duck. That's right. And nobody, very rarely can anybody remember the name of the bowler. It's without a rude word put in front of it, I think. <laughs> can you remember the name of the bowler? No. That idiot, I think. That's what my father <laughs> called him for all his life. I, I, I remember seeing the footage. He just he looked like he missed a straight one, the Don. I don't know how, 
But uh, yeah, well, I guess everyone knows that his average is 99.96, but uh, the three figures would have been absolutely perfect. Thanks for your call, Sue. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, let's get to Tony, Tony in Emu Park up in Queensland. G'day, Tony. Yeah, good morning. Uh, well, it's morning here. Yeah, morning up there. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just, a, just a couple of points. Uh, Richmond, you know, don't have to worry about replacements for Cotton and Rewalt. We've got ready-made players there as uh, Conti for Cotton and Brennan. <laughs> Brennan, Brennan for Rewalt. <laughs> Tony, when you said that, I thought, where is he going here? Where is a key four that's going to step in for Jack Revolt? Or where is a an elite leader slash midfielder going to step in for uh, Trent Cotchard? But uh, you've nailed it. Sure, that was a, Conti, that was a fair mean, victory. For, Con- I didn't see Con- that coming yesterday. The Tigers destroyed the Pies. The thing is, Conti um, is a better kick to position than Cotchard. She's a, she is a magnificent player. An absolutely magnificent play. You are, I'm assuming you're a big Tigers man there, Tone? Um, you better believe it. Mm. i got one more for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Queensland, right, and watching the derby on Saturday and Channel 10, in their wisdom, decided to put an ad break on in the, the you know, the derby with 300 metres to go. They um, What, 300 uh, metres to go in the that- race? Yes. Oh, that, well, you, we you, didn't get that you here. Had, you haven't had anyone, you know, say No, anything? there was a bit of feedback on Twitter on Saturday that uh, one of the races, it was a photo finish, and they went straight to an ad break, and that got a bit of criticism. No. But I haven't heard of the actual derby having an ad mid-race. It was 300 metres to go, and um, next thing you know, they've put an ad break on, and, I mean... I didn't have any money on the race, but if I did, I would have been punching oh, the walls. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. That is uh, ridiculous. As, as a Tigers man, if you had to, if you could only read one of the books, would you read Koch's book or Jack Revolt? Um, good call. My mum told me to go and get Cotton's book, so <laughs> I'm going in there today. <laughs> Very good, Tony. Thanks for your call. Did I say 99.96 for Bradman? What an idiot. We all know it's 99.94. So I said everyone knows it's 99.96. What an idiot. I've got, got a friend of mine that uh, got the Trent Cotchin book as an audio book. I've never listened to an audio book. Anyone listen to an audio book? Well, sometimes I think what happens is it gets a bit lost in translation. So there's a few mentions in the book of, uh, you know, Tiger's great, Joel Bowden. But uh, Bowden gets lost in the wash, thanks to RJ Sanderson as Joel Bowtie. So if you get the audio book and you hear Joel Bowtie, it is talking about Joel Bowden. Uh, let's get to Aaron in Pasco Vale. He's got an athlete that uh, didn't quite get the fairy tale finish. This is off the back of, we still don't know about Damien Oliver. So if you're just joining us, another vet inspection in the morning to see whether he gets one more rider in the Melbourne Cup. G'day, Aaron. Hey, Jules. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Who you got for uh, us? It's got to be our friend Bob Murphy, doesn't it? 2016 Grand Oh, yes, of course. Terrible. Yeah. No, that's, that, that is a good one. Absolutely. And uh, great scenes afterwards with Bevo. And he played one more year, but, yeah, he could have been, or well, should have been that man holding up uh, the Premiership Cup. Beautiful nomination there, Aaron. Uh, $50 e-gift card coming your way. Redeemable online or in-store. Thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all 
things golf. Before we get to the break, uh, Jono, I think, wants to talk about the Gunners. Hello, Jono. Hey, mate. Hey, Jules. How are you going? I'm good, mate. Are uh, you a Gunners fan? I am a Gunners fan. And, uh, Take I me through it. your humility with uh, being a Spurs fan. Oh, mate. You just hey, got uh, to call it as you see it. <laughs> got to call it as you see it. Yeah. Interesting on the push in the back. Not sure if there was extension, but it was pretty obvious to me. But even the sideline, there was a footage on KO of the ball actually being out. Yeah. And I come from a strong basketball and soccer background, and you know you can read the body language of all players around when the ball goes out. Both teams, both players stopped. Uh, there's probably five or six Gunners players around, one or two Newcastle players around, and they all stopped. Yeah. That, tell, that tells any referee in any sport, if you're not quite sure, the body language of the players should let you know the ball was out. And it, when VAR can't see it, but... The KO footage has one one quick glimpse of showing the ball out from the uh, the other perspective, from not from the goalkeeper's perspective, but from the sideline perspective. You'd think you'd be able to call it back. They call, they've called it back on so many other times with VAR. Even two or three minutes later, they'll reverse the call, and so I'm not sure how they they could let that one go. I just don't understand, Jono, how you're looking at that. That took four minutes to look at that footage. And I've watched a few of the sort of panel shows over there and, you know, all the former players to a man and to a, a woman have said, that is a clear foul. So uh, uh, what, are the, what is the assistant referee and the couple of others that are supporting them actually looking at? Uh, and, and if you look at the history over the last few weeks, they're calling even softer stuff. I'm that, not calling exactly. The, the, play, the play will continue and the ref, then the referee will say, okay, let's go back and have a look at that. Um, the play was a dead ball when the player stopped when it went out. And look, I get it. You know, you can you can pick a number of AFL examples. Wayne Harms, I'm a Carlton fan, but I'll take it um, <laughs> as an example. Um, but uh, I think uh, even on, on the foul, they've called a lot more ticky touch ones over the last few weeks in the Premier League. But um, yeah, like I said, plays continue. The referee then decides to stop. Um, I don't know whether he's... Re- is responding to the pressure of home crowd or away crowd to then finally make a decision. Or, um, but it's it's interesting and it's like you say, it's a clear foul. Um, but I'm also going with the, it's clearly out of bounds. Yeah, as well. no, I think uh, you're right, uh, Jono. On, if, yeah, for a couple of reasons that wasn't a goal. And then you still got to. I don't, don't think because of those two incidents, I'm not even sure Anthony Gordon was onside anyway. So there might have been three reasons uh, why that wasn't a goal. Thanks, Jono. An absolute disgrace that this goal is allowed. It's an absolute disgrace because it's not a goal. For many reasons, it's not a goal. For more than one reason, at least, it's not a goal. And it's too much at stake here. We put so much effort. It's so difficult to compete at this level. And it's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country, and this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I don't care what they say. It's the outcome. It's too late. Whatever they say, is too late. That was the Arsenal manager, Mikel Arteta, fuming, and he said the word disgrace about three times in 30 seconds after that goal was controversially given to Newcastle on the weekend. We've been talking sports people that have been denied a farewell finish or fairy tale finish. Might be the fact for Damien Oliver. We won't find out till tomorrow morning. We'll speak to Glenn Boss about that very shortly. Uh, Grant in Adelaide has jumped on the uh, Werribee Kia Open Line, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, where the customer comes first. G'day, Grant. Yeah, g'day. Uh, first time, long time. Ah, so, uh, don't be a stranger, Grant. <laughs> um, 
Uh, uh, a diehard Crows fan here, um, Tony Mosra, 97, yes. 98, missed out. Um, he only led the, was a Coleman medalist, 97, an All Australian, and 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 mm. didn't get the uh, medallion at the end of the at the end of the season, and then missed out in 98 as well. Yeah, um, so a bit of poor form. Probably. That's right. So he did the knee in the 97 prelim, didn't he? Not re- re- refresh my memory, Granny. Did he play the first final in 98 and then get dropped? Was that right? Um, I think he played all up until the prelim. Mm. Um, Sad. From memory, he kicked uh, 84 goals in in 97, yep. uh, but then dropped down form and didn't do too well in 98 and uh, then moved on to Fremantle after that. Yeah, very sad. That's right. And he spent two years at the Dockers before retiring. What a player. I just remember in 93, he was bigger than Texas, Tony Modra. I can't imagine what it was like in Adelaide, but he just burst onto the scene, takes hangers, kicking 10, 13, kicks 100 in the year. Not a bad-looking rooster either. Didn't hurt. Uh, thanks for your call, Grant. Let's get to Simon in Langwarren. Hey, Simon. Drew, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. I'd... This one is uh, its not necessarily a misty's farewell, but Derek Kiggett in 93. Yes. He played every game in 92, every game in 93, up until the grand final and then got dropped. Yeah, it was a big story at the time, and yeah, it was at the Sydney Swans the year after, so he never played for the Bombers again. Kicked eight goals in the second last home and away game against Footscray, and then he just didn't touch it in the finals. And was left out of the grand final and uh, didn't take it well and never played for the Bombers again. Thanks for your call, Simon. Uh, Brendan Melton's got one as well. G'day, Brendo. Hey, George, how are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Good, good, good. Working, yeah, working, working to today go. or taking the day off? No, nah, on the way to work, mate. So, unfortunately, but off tomorrow, so I'll take that one. That's fine. Good. Who you got for us? Uh, probably the biggest name I can think of on a personal note is Nathan Jones. At yes. So, uh, the first one that came to mind for me as well, Brendo. Yeah, very... Yeah. Yep. So, I still got, can I get the image out of my head of that last game against Geelong in the pre-league where he's walking off his voice, knowing he's not going to play, but still completely excited knowing they had an opportunity to win a flag. So the ultimate clubman, the ultimate loyalist, and yeah, Nathan Jones is the biggest name I can think of. That's right, and then he flew back to Melbourne, didn't he, for the birth of twins. So it was all happening in uh, Nathan Jones's time at that time. Uh, thanks for your call, Brendan. Uh, just uh, We're talking about Donald Bradman before, 99.94, as we all know. Uh, the bowler was a man by the name of Eric Hollies. So Eric Hollies played 13 tests. Uh, he took 44 wickets, best known for taking Bradman's wicket then. But at, for Warwickshire... He took over two thousand. He took two thousand three hundred twenty-three wickets at twenty-one. He didn't didn't play enough Test cricket. I would have thought so. Eric Hollies was that mad. Thank you, Amy. Great to have you back. It's uh, getting plenty of love on the Forty Winks Temper Text. This topic: uh, athletes or sports people that have been denied the fairy tale finish. Uh, Timmy Gossage, sharp, always sharp. I remember this nineteen ninety-eight. John Worsfold dropped when captain for the elimination final versus the Bulldogs. Never played again, and I met. There was a shot of him walking across the ground, and I'll tell you what, you wouldn't have wanted him to uh, get in his way. He was absolutely fuming. Uh, thanks to Dom as well off the 40 Winks temper. He's across everything, Dom. Uh, Tony Mobber returned late in 1998, but then had a shocking first final of the Melbourne at the G when they got absolutely flogged. Uh, Malcolm Blight even shifted him to defence, then dropped him for the rest of their finals campaign. Uh, one saying their favourite horse. Uh, efficient 2007, best day of my life, says Barney on the Gold Coast. Hmm. 
wonder why that was the best day of your life. Let us know, Barney, exactly why, apart from you probably had some money on it and it won. Uh, Jules, kind and cruel moments in sport from this weekend. Kind, winning in a photo finish. Cruel. Oliver possibly missing a farewell Melbourne Cup. Bairstow out for a golden duck. That was kind. Cruel Ricardo and Piastri finished getting smashed in the aftermath of a Formula One crash. That's from Cam in Churnside Puck. Mitchell Stark with ball in hand and Johnny Bairstow faces the first delivery. Down leg side. There's a big appeal. It's been given. Strangled down leg side. Johnny Bairstow. Horror start for England. The worst of possible starts for England. Bairstow goes for a first ball duck. England, not for one. Yeah, even though Johnny Bairstow's English, I do feel sorry for him. That's such a stiff way to get out. (laughs) We don't feel sorry for him at all. It's sports celebration time. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. No one was celebrating more than Australian cricket fans when this happened. Johnny Bairstow, first ball of the innings, if you didn't see it on Saturday night. They still haven't got over the ashes and they're... Moral victory, England, and they haven't fired a shot since. Uh, all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobitbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Glenn Boss about eight minutes away. Uh, Damien Oliver has just spoken to the media. All the TV mics are there. I can see it on Twitter at the moment. So he's saying he's quietly confident his horse, Alan Kerr, who has a foot abscess, will be right to run in the Melbourne Cup. So if you're just catching up on the news today, inspected today, have one more expansion in the morning uh, before a decision will be made. If it's scratched, there's no other options. Uh, for Damien Oliver, he will not get uh, a ride in the Melbourne Cup to finish his career, which will end uh, later in the year over in Perth. First road in the race in 1989. It's led to the topic which sports people, athletes have been denied a fairy tale finish. Uh, Mick has jumped on the Werribee Kia open line. You can too. one 736 736 Mick out in Northgate. Hey, Mick. G'day. Who you got for us? Uh, I've got Alistair Lynch. Lost the grand final, got his 11-week suspension, and his wallet was a lot lighter. <laughs> if you're going to get a, if you're going to get 11 weeks, though, Mick, it might as be might as well be in retirement. That's the way to do it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, he, look, he did have the three flags uh, the three p- previous years, so it was a pretty good career for old Lynch. But, yeah, it certainly wasn't the best way to finish. Uh, plenty coming through on the 40 Wings temper. Uh, Mick, thanks for your call. Signet Boost Power Bank, valued at forty four ninety five, coming your way. They are sensational, these. The Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered. 24, 24 hours a day. Oh, he's good, hey, Rod? I was just checking. Uh, plenty more coming through on the 40 Wings. This one's been pretty strong. Uh, SEN's own Ian Healy wouldn't get a last gab of test. Of course, 1999, uh, the man that's going to join us later in the show, Adam Gilchrist, made his debut, made 81, never looked back. And that was en- the end for Ian Healy after an absolutely magnificent uh, Test career, uh, another one coming through here. Matthew Lloyd missed a final through suspension for cleaning up Brad Sewell. Accident, unlucky. Uh, Pat Rafter at Wimbledon. Uh, Goran Ivanisevic, of course, a qualifier. Beat him in five sets. That was devastating. That was back in uh, 2001. Chris Judd, yep. ACL uh, for Carlton in 2015. Um, never played again, so that was a pretty sad way for a great player like uh, Chris Judd to end. Uh, Aaron, someone's saying Aaron Sipoffs as a missed, would you would it count? A missed opportunity for greatness for his unfortunate kick in the NFL in the Super Bowl last year in the aftermath, says Ken uh, in Sandringham. Uh, so, yeah, keep them coming through, 0433 98 11 16. But McCarty, David, clear with 100 metres to go. Excellent run. 
I think our next guest uh, would never, ever get sick of hearing that audio. Reminder, the Melbourne Cup Carnival continues tomorrow with the 2023 Melbourne Cup live across Network 10. A big part of the coverage will be this man, Glenn Boss, who's been good enough to join us. Hello, Glenn. Dwayne, how are you, pal? <laughs> uh, amazing. I can't believe it's 20 years uh, since... Your first one on Maccabi Diva, of course, 18 years since you went back to back to back. So overall, what does this race mean to you all those years on? Oh, it's still the same and it's never lost its luster. It's crazy, you know, to think that it, I mean, I, I still pinch myself that it was 20 years ago. It just, it just seems surreal, um, you know, because it's such a vivid memory. And obviously this time of the year, it just keeps getting brought up and regurgitated and yeah, it's uh, just, a, mate, just a crazy part of my professional life that was. It was just ridiculous. Take us back to 2003. So the first one, when you're coming down that Flemington Strait, does it come across your mind, I can win the Melbourne Cup here. I'm just about to win the Melbourne Cup and, and cement my name in history. What, what sort of goes through your mind at that time? Oh, my God, Dwayne. It's so much. Like Yes, that, of course. Um, especially on her, once, once the... I released the shackles and, you know, she put that sprint on. It was like nothing was coming from behind me. Um, but that, you know, you, you, your, your brain plays tricks with you. As you're getting towards the line, you sort of can't believe this is happening. You kind of think, have I just won it? Because um, it's a long way down that damn Flemington Strait. Um, yeah, because it's just a, it's a, there's something that you've been searching and wanting all your professional career. Um, and to finally get one out the way, it's, it's just a, well, it's just one of those moments you think. It's almost like a relief in a way that you've got that one done. Yeah, and it went on to do it 2004, 2005. I must admit, uh, looking at the uh, footage, Glenn, you, you haven't aged a day in 18 years. Oh, yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? it's. I mean, yeah, I, I was lucky throughout my career. I, I, I wasn't like a lot of lads. I, I trained hard and kept my weight pretty well in check most of my life. So I kind of, you know, maybe I aged a bit better than some of the others. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, feeling good, though, I must admit. So we've got Gold Trip in the race tomorrow going for back-to-back, and you know how hard it is to do, and Maccabi Diva is a freak and, and won it three times in a row. What? And obviously it's got the extra weight compared to last year. I mean, how big it – well, what is the biggest challenge in trying to win a, a Melbourne Cup back-to-back? For this particular animal? Um yeah, I think this race is a stronger addition than last year. Yep. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, he's gone up in weight, and he's probably going to have to contend with a pretty firm deck on Tuesday. You know, we're going to have a warm day. You know, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, we're going to get close to a good tree, I'd imagine, even though they'll be they'll put plenty of water on this track to make it as safe as possible. But, you know, understand it's probably going to get close to a three. They're probably his biggest obstacles that he'll have to overcome. And plus, you know, these internationals are very, very, very good this year. Vauban and the like. There's, there's, there's proper horses. I was going to ask you about Vauban, Glenn. There's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of hype around Vauban. We know it's a race that, particularly in the last 15 or 16 years, the favourites haven't won. But is all the buzz and all the hype around this horse justified, do you think? I believe so. From what I've seen and what I've heard from the right people, um, this horse is a proper Group 1 horse in Europe. Um, it's been well documented. This has been a very thought-out, careful process for 18 months for Willie Mullins to get this horse to this point. Um, you know, and he's, you know, Brian Moore, greatest jockey in the world, comes here. He's done it before. So they have ticked every box. So 
I'm really, I'm, Dwayne, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the enclosure. That's honestly, I can't wait to actually see him in the flesh because that'll be like, okay, yeah, you look like the, you look like the winner. Um, so it'll be interesting for people if they can't come to races, people at home watching um, to see this horse actually parade in the flesh. You got how would Damien Oliver be feeling now, Glenn? I mean, it's it's I guess it's even sharper in focus because this will be his last Melbourne Cup if uh, the vet inspection goes the right way. Were you ever? At t- I'm sure there was probably times in your career where you were preparing for a big race and there might have been a mishap with the horse late, and even going into the day, you're still not sure whether you're going to run or not. Um, what would be going through Ollie's mind? Oh, first and foremost, he you know he hoped the horse is is, is fine that's the first thought um and he'd be praying that the horse is fine enough to run because i'm sure he won't want to be sitting in the jockey's room watching watching the race um but like you know the the welfare of the animal was first and foremost um so if the horse has got a problem he won't be running but uh, and and you know what damien just has to accept that and cop it on the chin just that's part of racing it is part of racing. We all hope he gets a start. We're talking to champion jockey Glenn Boss, a big part of the Melbourne Cup coverage live across Network 10 tomorrow. Uh, if you could be on one tomorrow, who would you like to be on? Oh, Vivane. I think I, I think Willie Mullins can nearly call out of the race. Um, I just got I just can't take my eyes off him. So we've got Vivane and, and Absurd. Um, so you know Ryan Moore and Zach Purden. I think. One of those two probably can win. I think, obviously, you know, the market finds the right ones this time of the year. They kind of, um, you know, absurd has been backed. Um, I think he was like, on Saturday, he was like 25 to 1. Now he's into like 12. So, you know, there's been a lot of money come from this horse. And of the locals, without a fight, is obviously out, is far and above the, out, the standout of the locals with um, Selcom. And I just hope Gold Trip runs a, runs a really good race. You mentioned you think this year's uh, version of the Melbourne Cup is a, is a stronger field than than the race that Gold Trip won last year. But overall, how strong do you think this Melbourne Cup field is? Well, okay, let me guess. You know, Gold Trip is flying. He's just probably got the big weight. Um, so we've got without a fight. You know, who's just where's the ceiling with this horse? We quite we quite don't know. Solcom has definitely got the ability if he jumps. If he can jump with him, he's definitely got the ability to win this race. He's a really classy individual. Like I say, Vivian is the talk is that he's a proper, proper horse. Like his Ascot win was unbelievable, winning by seven. And mm. then you've got, you know, Val and Eclair, who's coming back his fourth year, uh, fourth, fourth, fourth year after his first win, which is um, only ever been done once in, in the history of this race. So, you know, and then it, then it tails off quickly. You know, there's a lot down the bottom of that. Certainly can't cannot win without you know they they need a they need a hundred meter start I reckon some of them <laughs> that's, that's just the nature of the race you know absolutely uh, James McDonald's been a fair old start uh, well the last couple of weeks have been amazing Cox Plate Derby I mean what makes James such a great jockey obviously he's he's, he's getting to ride on brilliant horses because he's such a great jockey but what do you think makes him a, a standout not just right now but over the last few years. Oh, geez, have you got 20 minutes? <laughs> got about seven. Like, honestly, yeah, no, listen, he's um, he's just, he's got amazing time and he's got incredible awareness of where he is in a race. Like, you just never see him in trouble. Um, probably gets suspended once a year. Um, he just seems to be in the right place at the right time, you know, in, in, in the field. Um, 
yeah, he's just got a great feel for the race. As soon as it breaks, he's got an amazing feel for the race. And yeah, obviously he gets the great rides, but you still got to go and get the job done. Um, and he does it more than often, you know. Yeah, he's he's going to go down as one of our all-time greats. The way he's going. So there was a jockey that's riding in the Melbourne Cup for the first time tomorrow, Glenn. What what would be the best piece of advice you'd give him or her? Have fun, <laughs> enjoy the moment. Because it'll once those barriers open, it's all. It, I know it's three and three and a bit minutes. It goes quick. Um, you know, I remember my first one. I ran last in it, but it was just like I kind of remember parts of the race, but not all of it. You know, it's crazy. So yeah, just enjoy it and enjoy enjoy, enjoy the moment. What what's the most nerve wracking time? Is it sort of when the anthem's on? When you're getting introduced as a jockey? Is it trundling down to the gates? When when do the nerves really kick in, or is it even earlier than that? Oh, it would be early in that, but then once you do, you stand out there and they do their anthem when all the jockeys line up to the, face the crowd, that's that's when you really start to get the jitters. But it's great. You know, you welcome that. You want to feel nervous. Um, you, you want to feel all that stuff. So, yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, that's the great moment. Got one off our 40 Winks temper here, Glenn. Uh, uh, wants to ask you about Cleveland. Your thoughts on Cleveland? Um, yeah, I don't like him. I, I, I mean... I know he was a last-start winner, and that he, he was very good at Mooney Valley. I understand that, but I just don't know if that if that race is the form going forward. To be very very honest. Yep, fair enough. No, well, this person uh, is a bit of a fan, but uh, I reckon I'll take your advice uh, over his. So, uh, if you're tipping the uh, the trifecta tomorrow, Glenn, who would be in it? Okay, Vivan, um, absurd, and. I'd say Sulcum with the lightweight. Beautiful. And uh, who's gonna, who else will be joining you on Network 10 tomorrow? Oh, Eddie, uh, Michelle, um, Britt Taylor. It's a pretty big big, big cast, so uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, Glenn, thanks so much for your time. And uh, as we say, every time Melbourne Cup uh, rolls around, we think back to Maccabi Diva in 03 and 04 and 05. I can't imagine uh, what goes through your mind. Uh, good luck with the coverage tomorrow and uh, enjoy Melbourne Cup Day. Thank you. Awesome. Great to have uh, Glenn Boss, uh, absolute champion jockey. Weren't they amazing days? 2003, 2004, and 2005 when uh, Maccabi Diva won. And who would forget? No one ever thought uh, a Melbourne Cup could be won three times in a row uh, by the same horse. But uh, Glenn Boss did an absolute uh, amazing job. Remember, catch all the Melbourne Cup coverage with Bossy and the crew across Network 10 from 10.30am tomorrow. If you want to listen to it, it's all here on SEN across SEN track with all the team, all the form and all the tips for the day. Just remember too, what's gambling really costing you for free and confidential support? Visit Gambling Help Online. .org.au. Throughout the afternoon, we will cross to Gareth Hall as well. He's at the call of the card where all the big money uh, comes. We'll just uh, get a feel for it, get his thoughts on uh, Damien Oliver as well, and uh, maybe even get his tips uh, for the big day tomorrow. Coming up, uh, remaining couple of hours before Andy and Gazy jump in. We're going to chat some cricket uh, with Adam Gilchrist. Not only the World Cup, but uh, just about to announce an interesting concept just to try and get more people through the gate for the Perth test. It's been a bit of a struggle in Perth for a variety of reasons. You know, it's been boiling hot and, you know, West Indies last year wasn't exactly a glamour matchup, but uh, Adam Gilchrist and Justin Langer are teaming up to just try and get a bit more spice in uh, the Perth test. Uh, Nina Morrison will join us. What a day she had yesterday 
alongside uh, Georgie Prasparkas. Uh, the Cats had to win just to make sure they made the finals. They did that convincingly uh, over the Hawks and they'll host the Bombers on Sunday. Tommy Greer to chat some NBL Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Phoenix BP and also Stefan Negro from the Victory. What a fiery game that was. Uh, between the victory and Adelaide. Keep your calls coming for Midday Madness. We'll go another 15 minutes or so. 1-300-736-736. Keep sending the temper text through as well. 433 Still looking for some nominations as well. Off the back of if Damien Oliver is denied one more run in the Melbourne Cup. Tell us some other athletes that have been denied their fairy tale finish. We've had a heap of uh, nominations uh, so far. There's actually more than I actually... Uh, thoughts. So if you've got any more, uh, let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or the 40 Winks Temper. 433 Or tips for tomorrow or one of your favourite uh, Melbourne Cup horses, uh, give us a call. And we've got a great prize on offer still. A $100 Peter Jackson voucher. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything with suits from 399 bucks. Anything you want to talk Peter about? Peter Jackson. Thank you, A-Rod. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, in the world of sport, the cricket, how awesome were India again last night? Like, you, you look that up, you think that was India playing one of the minnows, but they destroyed South Africa. Can, can you make a case for anyone, including Australia, beating India uh, at this World Cup? And what changes would you make to the team, assuming Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell are available for the next games. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. And, yes, thank you to our 40 Winks uh, temper family. Uh, send it through, 0433-981116. Give us a call, one 736 I am aware that Glenn Boss called me Dwayne a couple of times, but it's Glenn Boss. He can call me Dwayne. He can call- oh! He can call me Darius, he can call me A-Rod, he can call me Mitch. I don't care. He's won the Melbourne Cup three years in a row. I'm not offended, so it's okay. But thank you for everyone uh, pointing that out. And yes, I'm sure it will bob up with Hutchie and Pickers on Saturday. Maybe there'll be a little video out there. Who knows? Uh, Let's get to Luke in Preston who wants to chat through a very uh, incident-packed Grand Prix last night. Hello, Lukey. Jules, it's a pleasure speaking with you as always, mate. Thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, no, it was, mate. It was a, it was a pretty full-on race. It, it, before the race even got started, there was an issue. Charles Leclerc uh, had a hydraulic problem going to the grid and, and crashed out before the race even got started. So they were one man down right from the get-go. And then uh, in the first corner of the race, there was an incident with Alex Albon and uh, Kevin Magnussen, and that sprayed a lot of debris on the track, which actually hampered Daniel Ricciardo and Oscar Piastri. So... Those two boys would have actually been out of the race straight away, but because they red flagged that they were able to get their cars repaired and and uh, actually race once they restarted. But with a, a pretty bad rule at the moment, um, which I'm sure they're going to look into, they actually had Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo a lap down right from the restart after the uh, red flag. So... It was pretty much, you know, they were hamsters on a wheel from that moment on for those two boys, and they couldn't really do anything after that. And Sam, just listening to some of their comments from Dan Ricciardo, Luke, that could have been a lot worse. Yeah, look, it definitely could have. The, the, the debris from the accident um, actually, like, hit his car, and, you know, it could have been quite dangerous. It was a tyre that, that came loose and, and hit Ricciardo's rear wing. 
Um, so he could have, you know, there could have been some serious damage there if, it, if it got him, you know, obviously hit his body or whatnot. But as for, yeah, the race, they he had a lot of pace all weekend. He was actually really quick all weekend, and his uh, his teammate Yuki Sonoda did score points yesterday this morning as well. So it was a shame for Daniel, but you know they've got a week break and then they're off to uh, Las Vegas. Sorry, two week break and then they're off off to. Uh, Las Vegas for the first time in Formula One. So that's going to be good fun for them. And, um, yeah, it should be an exciting race. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Uh, thanks for your call, Luke. Uh, appreciate the update as always. Now, we know the Melbourne Cup, is, there's great stories basically with every horse. We've got one that we're, we're watching pretty closely here at SEN. Uh, Dan Huddy is a horse racing enthusiast. Uh, he was formerly a massive part of the SEN track team. And now... He's part owner of Melbourne Cup runner Calipore, who made its way into the field on Saturday. So we thought we're going to give Dan a call and see how he's going. Hello, Dan. Hello, Jules. Good to speak to you, mate. You too, mate. Well, as a golfer, you make a f- mighty fine horse o- uh, um, or owner because I've seen you golf. It's not that great. But uh, just take us through the backstory of how you became an owner of Calipore. Oh, mate, this was far more of a fluke with Calipore. The um, the family got involved in another horse trained by Chris Lees as well a while back called Luncey. So he's a grey that loves to run a place, for those that don't know him already. Um, and we all got involved in Luncey's. And then my granddad, myself, and my uncle went up to Sydney to see the horse. And um, and he was racing at Ramwick that Saturday. And whilst we were at the stables, one of the stable reps pointed out this new import that they just got from Ireland. And I said, oh, his name's Calipore. We think he may be slightly better than Luncey's. So, uh, and also, there's also 5% left in the horse. So, really good sales, sales people there. Um, and <laughs> at the time, Grandad just turned around and said, nah, mate, one's enough. We don't need another. And then we get to Ramwick the next day with Luncey's, and he ran out of his skin when we were expecting him to run near enough to last. And um, in all the hype and excitement, uh, Grandad emailed, um, unbeknownst to the rest of the family, he emailed this guy back from the stable and said, oh, mate, we'll take the 5%. We'll take whatever's left. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we were involved with Calipore. Unbelievable. So take us through Saturday then. The Archer Stakes It's pretty basic. You win and you're into the Melbourne Cup. You had Damien Oliver on board. Just take us through your emotions throughout the race. And then when you finally realise, hang on a second, we're in the Melbourne Cup here. Uh, it started off pretty nerve-wracking. I'll give you the tip. Um, none of us were sitting comfortably. Uh, we just didn't know how it was going to pan out. A seven-horse field, you kind of, you know, it's very tactical. We weren't too sure what was going to happen. And when, you know, Ollie took him to the front, I think my heart sank a little bit more because that was not the <laughs> that was not the intention nor what we expected to happen. But he was just leading at such a cruisy tempo. We, the confidence picked up that he'd at least be in the finish at that point. But Obviously, you, you still don't expect to be winning any sort of race like that. I'm not that much of a confident person when the horses are involved. Um, but then with about 400 to go, and he was still kicking, and he got about a length and a half in front, the um, the screams and yells from the Huddy clan started to get a little bit louder. <laughs> and stuff. By the time he crossed the line, I was um, embarrassingly on the floor at Flemington. Oh, so you should be. My family's up in the stands crying, and my sister and I are embracing. We don't embrace too much, so that was <laughs> out of the box for us. So it was just an amazing feeling, and just to have the entire family involved, I think ultimately it just makes it even more special. I can be as big a racing fan as I want, but family's number one, so to have everyone involved, it's just super special. So what does it mean to have a runner in the Melbourne Cup? Oh, it's, I, I can't put it into words, honestly, Jules. I love this race, and horses since I was four years old so just to be able to say that the family's got a horse good enough to be in the race it's 
it just means the world and like it's bringing us together on opposite sides of the country so we don't always all come together so this will be the first time that we're all together in probably a couple of years tomorrow so yeah it's just so special i can't say anything more than that really it's um yeah i'm not using great terminology clearly and my words are not fantastic <laughs> but it's just super exciting and a very special feeling so how many of the huddy family will be on track tomorrow okay there will be about 14 of us wow. i think 14 15 of us um and then there's obviously a mass lot of owners as well away from us in the horse but um the huddy clan it's about 14 or 15 so it's a, ni- a nice number jules so i think you're paying around about 46 bucks at the moment with the bookies we know favorites haven't won this race too often are you a sneaky are you a sneaky chance <laughs> I'm not doing ourselves any favours if I say no, am I? But um, <laughs> I think it's all about being realistic from our point of view, and he probably doesn't come through the strongest form line. So I would be shocked if he won, but I I genuinely think he's a top 10 chance. And I'm not just saying that because I'm incredibly biased, but um, he'll be right in it. He carries 50 kilos. He's not going to know himself down at that weight. If he gets an ounce of luck, he can easily figure in the top 10. So not that that really helps. Um, from a winning point of view. But, um, yeah, look, I think he's there. He'll run a good race. He'll see out the 3,200. So he'll be in it up to his eyeballs. Uh, Dan, it's magnificent. We're all wrapped for you here, and uh, we hope it all goes uh, really well tomorrow. Just getting a start's good enough. But if it can run some sort of race, that would be amazing. Thanks for your time, and uh, I don't have to tell you, but enjoy your Melbourne Cup day. Oh, we will, Jules. Thanks so much, mate. How good is that? Uh, now, let's get to the call of the card. It's uh, live now on SEN Track. Gareth Hall, SEN Track guru, of course. Of course, he's live at Call of the Card. So if you want to listen to it, flick over to SEN Track right now, right up until 2 p.m. Hello, G. Hello, Jules. Yeah, it's a lot of fun here at the Call of the Card. We just had Simon Beasley, the great yep. Western Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Footscray play, and he's a bookmaker. And we've got the Waterhouses coming on shortly. We've heard from some of the the big names of the sport. James McDonald's arrived, along with Mark Sarr, who both have got top chances in this year's Melbourne Cup. So um, it's a terrific day. It's so intriguing, of course, the, the call of the card, because the market can be interesting mm. with the fluctuations uh, on who are the big punters that are backing for our great race tomorrow. So there'll be some there'll be a lot of money thrown around in the next couple of hours. Um, yeah, it's always a great event on, on Melbourne Cup E. So to, for those that the uninitiated, Gareth, tell us, what is the call of the card? What, what, how does it work? So it's basically some of the big punters arrive here around the country. You've got bookmakers here that stand up and say, okay, then if you want to have a bet, I'll take a bet to lose a million dollars or if you... Um, so it's basically just going to the races and betting on the Melbourne Cup. And um, there's a lot of competition amongst the bookmakers. The big punters want the best prices. And, yeah, it adds for a little bit of drama. So it's always interesting, Jules. And um, some bookmakers want to take on certain horses, some don't. So time will tell whether the – and, you know, sometimes it's not like the old days where Kerry Packard would walk in and (laughs) try and win $2 million. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens today. Who's the money come for so far? It's an interesting one. Vorban has been a little easy in the last 24 hours. The stable made absurd, been the best back here. They were betting about $21, now into about $12. Solcom's had good support. Gold Trip last year's champ's been solid. And so has the, the Caulfield Cup champ without a fight. So it's been fascinating watching the betting move. So, yeah, the stable mate to the favourite, absurd, probably been the best back, along with Solcom. 
in the last 24 hours. But expect Vorban to start the favourite, Jules, and I'm tipping you'll start in between 4 and $6 in tomorrow's great race. Just on Vorban, Gareth, I mean, we've seen a lot of hyped international horses come over for the Melbourne Cup for, what, 30 years now since Vintage Crop first did it. You know, some have performed, some have won, and, and, and others have been probably pretty disappointing. Is all the hype and all the spruik about this horse fair enough? Is it that good if it performs on the day it will win? Well, we'll find out tomorrow if the hype is, is justified for Vorban. But there is a, there's a little bit of difference between, say, him and Doville Legend. Doville Legend was an up-and-coming Gallopard that probably needed a dry track. And when the rain came, he was in a little bit of trouble. And he travelled like that in the run. That He, he travelled like the winner, but then he just got tired and he, and he couldn't perform at his best on a rain-affected track. Then you have a horse like Vorban that's been prepared for this race for for two years because Willie Mullins so to explain it to the listeners out there that the Cox Plate's the best race so it's a weight for age yeah. every horse is on level weight the Melbourne Cup's a handicap so if you're in the rating so that the best horses get the top weight and then um, you work your way down a horse like Vorban they've put him away and they've just enabled him to win a couple of races so he's qualified and got enough points to get into the Melbourne Cup and so they've, they've put him over the jumps as well to get him so the handicapper doesn't really see him. You can't handicap him from a, a flat perspective on the flats. Uh, on, so um, he's been able to beat the handicapper in a way. So he's at 55 and a half. So they've planned it out perfectly and I think it's been a, a faultless preparation and that's why he's going to be hard to beat. If you know what I mean, trying to explain that in a um, or simplified it there for the non-racing fans. Nah, did it beautifully, G. I just want to play a bit of audio from uh, Damien Oliver. He spoke to the media a short time ago. If you're just joining us, he won't find out until tomorrow morning, until there's another vet check on Alan Kerr, whether he will get a start. This was Damien Oliver a short time ago. I'm actually quite relaxed, yeah. I mean, it's out of my hands. I, I want to be there riding a, a horse that can run, you know, close to his best. If he's, if he's not well, then, you know, I'm, I'm past there just going up there to make up the numbers and, and ride in a race for the sake of riding in it. But, um, yeah, hopefully his um, foot can heal up in time and he can take his place. What's your gut feel, Gareth? Will Damien get one more ride in the Melbourne Cup or do you think it's looking unlikely? It's a difficult one. I'm no horse trainer, but those stone bruises and hoof abscesses, um, they can change dramatically within 12 hours. So um, I think it's 50-50 for mine at the moment. They won't start him if he's lame. Um, so it's just like having a bruise on your, your heel sometimes if you put your foot down wrong. So um, they'll, they'll, they'll keep a close eye on him. They'll be working around the clock, icing that horse's hoof um, to make sure that the, the swelling comes down. The time will tell. I hope Ollie gets his send-off. I don't think regardless if it starts or, or it's, um, if it had that stone bruise or not, I don't think it'll finish in the, in the top 10. Yeah. Um, he's out of form at the moment. But you never know. Sometimes the, the racing gods can do some wonderful things. And um, Yeah, but it would just be great to see Ollie have a, his ride in the last race, his last Melbourne Cup. Before I let you go, if you were to put your hand in your pocket, which is something you're reluctant to do, it's fair to say, but if you were going to put some big money on someone tomorrow, who would you be putting it on? I'll have a box trifecta, maybe a box yeah, box four. I'll have Vorban without a fight to win. Um, and then I'll have Vorban without a fight to run second. And then for third and fourth, I would have Gold Trip, Absurd, 
right you are, and break up. There you go. Everyone is jotting that down furiously as we speak. Uh, Gareth, it's your grand final tomorrow. You're in ripping form. Uh, Thanks for your time. Enjoy the call of the card. Thanks, boys. Have a great day. What's gambling really costing you for free and confidential support? Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. If you want to listen to the call of the card as it unfolds, head to SEN Track on your local track station or, of course, on the SEN app. Just a reminder to Flight Center's big red sale is on now. Some unbelievable deals here, uh, whether it's to go overseas or some great trips in Australia. With limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours, book now to save Big now, Andy from Terrellgan, our old mate's on the line, which worries me because normally I can throw his tricky question over to Andy and Gazy, but now I've got to answer it. Hello, Andy. Hey, Jules. How are you today, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Uh, good, thank you for Monday. Yes. No work today, Andy? You had the day off? No, I don't work. I don't really work Mondays, really. You only work Tuesday and Fridays down the uh, line. Yeah, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have taken the day off, though, because you're a hard worker. Uh, thank you for the call, words, Jules. The same with you. <laughs> what do you got for us, mate? Okay, my question to you and the viewers who want to join in. My question this afternoon is: See, the Melbourne Cup is tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. Name me two favourite Melbourne Cup memories of of the twenty first century and why. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a good question. There's so many uh, going through uh, since the year 2000. We've got a break. We're going to park it. I'm going to name it on the other side of the break. Thanks for your call, Andy. A little bit later, I need a bit of research on this one because I've got to chat to Nina Morrison on the other side of the break. I think Maccabi Divas third in 2005 uh, certainly comes to mind. Look, to be honest, as much as there's great memories, there's two that stand out. Of course, Damien Oliver on Media Puzzle in 2002, just days after the death of his brother. And, of course, Bakaibi Diva making it three in a row. Two that stand out, but there's so many more. I'll give you a couple more a little bit later. Thanks for your call, Andy. Enjoy your Melbourne Cup date. AFLW final start this weekend. The Cats host the Bombers. After the break, we're going to talk to Cat star Nina Morrison. Well, the AFL final eight has been decided. And for the second year in the row, the Cats will host an elimination final, this time against the Bombers. And they are going in in cracking form after a 40-point win over the Hawks yesterday. Thanks to OMF, Australian-owned and designed the OMF. Big, big spring sale is on now with up to 60% off selected mattresses. Cat star Nina Morrison has been good enough to join us. Uh, Afternoon, Nina. Afternoon, how are you? Very well. Uh, congratulations uh, yesterday. Um, interesting start to the game. The Hawks certainly came out uh, really hard, but uh, in the final three quarters, it was a pretty impressive performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we knew that um, Hawthorne were going to bring that pressure. They're a pretty contested team, and I think number one tackle team in the comp. So um, definitely aware of that coming in. But yeah, I think we showed over the over the four quarters that we were able to get it done and um, gives us a good bit of momentum coming into next week or this week. Now that the home and away season is done, so you qualified fifth last year, seven wins and narrowly beaten by North Melbourne uh, in that elimination final. Six wins this year, hosting a final again. Do you feel, how much better a team do you think you are this season, even though you've won one less match? Yeah, 100%. I think that, um, you know, we had probably a tougher draw this year and and played some more of those top sides. And um, yeah, although we've got the one less win than, than last season, we feel like we're really well placed and, and really confident that um, our best footy can sort of match it against anyone. So, um, yeah, we kind of look at the year we've had and, and know that when we put our best foot forward, um, we'll be able to match any of those sides. Where do you think you've improved as a team this season? 
Uh, I think we've, it's been a real focus all season about um, our attack and our ball movement in the front half. And I think that, um, you know, we've found that when we found synergy in that area in games, we've been able to show um, that we can score really well and, and put big scores on the board. So, um, yeah, I think that role clarity in our attack has been a big focus over the course of the season. And, and we, when we get that right, we look really good. Speaking of Geelong AFL, W star Nina Morrison, that, that was a heartbreaking loss in the finals last year. You were you were coming really hard at North Melbourne. You just couldn't get that, that goal to get in front. How much do you look back on this week? How much did you learn from that, given it was a new experience uh, for the club playing in your first final? Yeah, for sure. As, as you said, I think it was a lot of girls' first experience in finals. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be so much better for it, having that under our belt. So, um, it's definitely heartbreaking to sort of look back on that game, but I think that it just gives you a bit more motivation as well to keep on going one better um, this season. So, yeah, we'll we'll take that into the weekend and, and look to really improve on that. You've played the Bombers once this year. They beat you by 10 points down in Warrnambool. Pretty tricky conditions that day. How much do you look back at that one uh, before you play them again this weekend? Yeah, I think we'll obviously, you know, review that game again and look back at um, what we did well and, and what they sort of obviously got on top of us with. Um, I think most of us were pretty disappointed with how we played both individually and as a team that day. So, um, yeah, we'll certainly take a lot of learnings from it and, and go in pretty confident that we've addressed those areas and know what we need to do to, to get on top of them this time. Yourself and uh, Georgia Vesparkis going in in pretty good touch of yesterday's any guide. 69 touches between you. I think 18 or 19 clearances combined. Uh, it was a pretty handy duo, you two, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I love playing with um, with Georgie. She's a she's a super talent and, and works really hard as well. Um, yeah, I think that that combination through the midfield this year is just continuing to grow each week um, with, with us two in there and then Amy as well, um, having the likes of, of Darcy Maloney as well rolling through and I think we've got real depth in that space, which has been a real strength of ours in the team. So, um, yeah, we look forward to sort of going head-to-head with the with the Bombers mids on the weekend. Does Georgie uh, relish playing against Maddie, or does she find it a bit weird playing against her sister? How does she go in a week when she's coming up against her sister? Yeah, I think she handles it really really well. Obviously, it's a um, different dynamic, not something that a lot of us have to do. But, um, yeah, I think she, she handles it really well and knows that, um, you know, she just plays to her strengths and um, if it's against her sister or anyone else, she's sort of going into the game with the same attitude and mindset and focuses. So, yeah, nothing really changes from that end. How open do you think this final series is? I mean, you see Melbourne get beaten on the weekend and, you know, the way they started the season, they looked unbeatable at times. Um, You know, we see a lot of ladder positions inside the top eight change on the weekend. You know, there's clubs playing in finals for the first time, including the Bombers who you play this week. Do you feel... Doesn't matter where you've qualified. This is is quite an open final series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, um, there's probably been talk that that top four that's set at the moment is have been some of the the best four teams all year. But I think that there's definitely scope that on on anyone's good day, any of those teams are beatable, and that's a really exciting part of um, AFLW at the moment that no one sort of feels out of reach. And um, yeah, we'll definitely go on with that mindset and that attitude um, over the coming weeks. Hopefully, how much do you feel like the competition? has improved again this season. Is it noticeable out on the field that the standard's gone to another level? Yeah, 100%. I think that um, some of the rule changes and the quarter-length increases has helped with some of that as well. And, um, yeah, I look at the standard and reflecting back on, on my first year in the comp back in 2019 and to see how much it's developed and grown since then is pretty extraordinary. So, um, you know, I can only see the trajectory continuing to improve and um, it's exciting as players, it's exciting to fans, as people watching. So... 
um, yeah, I think we, we just keep on getting behind the sport um, and the resources poured into it, and, and you'll see the competition just continually improve. So going to 11 games next season, unfortunately missed out on the trigger to extend that to 12. Is that is that a bit disappointing? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's disappointing in some regards, but I think it'll you know we'll take some some learnings from how we continue to um, promote and market the game. What we can do as as players, as um, and administrators, to continue to promote that and and work towards that milestone together. I think that um, you know obviously it's where we want to be to to play more games, but um, we'll take the necessary steps to sort of get there as well. And your coach Dan Lather, how does he handle the week of a final? Is it business as usual? Does anything change this week? How does he go about preparing for a final? Yeah, I think it'll be pretty business as usual. Um, our schedule obviously stay stay pretty similar, and we'll we'll focus on on it the same way. Um, but Dan can get um, pretty passionate and fired up at times, so I'm sure come Sunday afternoon he'll be he'll be raring to go as well, which will put us all in a good mindset. Does he deliver a good spray? Uh, I think he, he's more of a he's more of a pump up man, so um, I'm sure he'll have something good for us on Sunday pregame. Uh, Nina, congratulations. Great effort for the Cats. Two years in a row. Let's hope from your point of view, the result uh, is a little bit different than uh, when you played North Melbourne down there in your first final last year. Uh, thanks so much for your time and uh, good luck on the weekend. Legend. Appreciate that. Catch you later. Nina Morrison, Geelong AFLW star. Thanks to OMF Australian. Owned and designed the OMF Big Spring Sailors now on with up to 60% off selected mar- mattresses. Elimination final. It's the Cats and the Bombers 105 on Sunday at GMHBA Stadium. Thank you, Amy. Just a reminder, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12, so less than a week now. Get in store, just shop there, and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Just got me thinking, chatting to Nina Morrison. Now, to, there's a lot of people on the social medias and uh, even on WhatsApp groups and text messages on the weekend. Happy to remind me that it was 7,000 days since Essendon's won a final. It's fair enough. It's a fact. We deal with it. Okay, so Sunday, the Bombers go down to the Cattery, the girls, and win. Finals drought over. Get rid of your Twitter account, days since Essendon's won a final. We're one club. We're all one club these days. The men, the women, we are one club. So if Essendon win, I don't want to hear anything more about the finals drought. It is over. Telling me dream. No, I'm not dreaming. It is a fact. Gee, tough year for the West Coast. I saw this come out on uh, the weekend. Across their uh, combined teams, it has been... Very, very hard work being a West Coast supporter. From 51 games, just five wins between the AFL team, the women's team, and the Waffle team for a combined percentage of 46. So it's been a tough year in 2023. If you're an Eagles fan, uh, get on the line between now and 3 o'clock. Still got a great prize to give away. $100 Peter Jackson voucher. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything with suits from 399 bucks, uh, a couple more off the 40 wings. Tim, we've been asking for, you know, with a little doubt whether Damian Oliver will get a ride in the Melbourne Cup tomorrow. One more vet inspection. Uh, athletes that have been denied fairy tale uh, finishes. Uh, Buddy has come through from Clinton, uh, getting injured and missing out on a farewell. Uh, a bit on the cricket as well. Aussies can't win without Maxwell and Marsh. Only chance to post a big enough score. Um, Nathan Buckley, this is a good one, finished his career on the bench in a five-point preliminary final loss to Geelong, having done his hamstring, says Marbles of Mount Martha. Yeah, they got through that night. Nathan Buckley wasn't playing in the grand final, so that would have been 
probably even harder for him to take. Uh, uh, G'day, Julio. The only team that can beat India is India. Honestly, their batting will need to completely capitulate in a semi or a final. And this one's probably been set. No, it hasn't yet. Roger Federer missed his swan song at Wimbledon due to knee injuries. The Laver Cup ain't a worthy finale for him. And uh, good point here. Andy Marr falling one goal short of the ton. It wasn't quite a fairy tale finish for Andy, as he tells us every single day. Welcome back to the show. Julian Stoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. A big Melbourne Cup Eve match in the NBL tonight. It's Melbourne United, top of the table, facing the Perth Wildcats, who desperately uh, need a win. But yesterday was a good response uh, from South East Melbourne Phoenix against the Cairns Taipans at home. Remember, watch the Hungry Jacks NBL on ESPN. The Phoenix CEO, Tommy Greer, has been good enough to join us. Hello, Tommy. Hi, mate. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. You must have been uh, wrapped with that response yesterday after what was a, a pretty disappointing performance in Brisbane a couple of nights earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I was really keen to uh, to sort of see how the group sort of bounced back after that after that game up in Brisbane. And, um, you know, it was really positive. You know, the guys came out with great intent and, uh, and you know, another big performance from, from Big Source, Alan Williams and, and, and Mitch Creek, and, and the boys got back on track. Yeah, I was going to mention those two. So Mitch Creek, 21 points, 11 rebounds. And the big source, Alan Williams, 18 points, 15 rebounds. You are probably slightly biased, Tommy, but there ain't ain't many better imports in the league right now than Alan. No, I mean, I'm incredibly biased, so let's put that out there. But, um, I mean, he is one of the the best imports, uh, uh, absolutely, uh, if not the best. Uh, And I I actually think that, you know, we've got a few of them. You know, like returning Gary Brown... Um, you know, he's he's a prime candidate to lead the league and assist again. And, and, and because of the season um, Big Source is having, I think that um, players like Gary, Mitch and Will Cummings are, are flying under the radar a little bit. Take us through what he's like as a, as a guy, Alan Williams. What sort of personality is he? <laughs> what you see is what you get. So, you know, the, the fans uh, have been, been showing out in droves uh, on the back of, you know, the energy that uh, that he brings to this squad. So, and that really is him. He brings that uh, to every day, brings that to his community appearances and, and training every day. So, um, incredibly professional, uh, really energetic and uh, and competitive. The man loves to win. You mentioned the fans have been coming out in their droves. You've had a great record at home so far this year, 5-zip. Uh, just how important is it to make it a great Day out. I mean, Melbourne United was in this town. They've got a big supporter base, and they get great crowds. But for you coming in, how important has it been to make it? Uh, you know, you've got a very good basketball team, but make it an entertaining day out for everyone. Oh, without question. I mean, it's 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 right up there with our, our primary goals. You know, I mean, obviously we want to win a championship, but we we're unashamedly family entertainment and. Um, and you know, I mean, once again, we're biased, but we we think we do a really good job of it. Uh, and and that's being shown by by attendances this year, which have you know pushing a sort of thirty percent increase uh, year on year. We had seven and a half thousand in there the other day, and uh, looking towards a, a sellout this coming Sunday. So um, yeah, I mean it's it's incredibly important, and um, you know we love entertaining uh, Melbournians. It's a pretty good start to the season, six and four, third on the table. You know the game really well. When do you think it starts to sort of settle down the league? Is it sort of around that halfway mark where you really can decide, you know, where you sit, who the other real contenders are, who may not be quite good enough this season? Look, I, I think the NBL historically 
you don't really get a read on that till right towards the end, to be quite honest. I mean, it's such an even league, and it, it just has been historically. Year on year, uh, finals positions are being decided on countbacks and on percentages, and and um, and so it's going to be really difficult. I think the league is is gotten better again this year. I think. Uh, you know, some of the teams that struggled last year have lifted. Uh, so there truly is no easy win uh, any weekend this year. And I think it's going to be pretty late in the season before you start to see any real real separation or, or teams fall off. It's been to the CEO of the South East Melbourne Phoenix, Tommy Greer, after a very good win yesterday, 91-75 against Cairns. I guess... One of the issues for Phoenix has been, you know, having a full roster to pick from. You've got that now. I guess it's a, it's a great time to have it ahead of the throwdown against uh, the red hot Melbourne United. Yeah, look, we actually don't. We're missing Will, Will Cummings. Oh yes, yesterday and yep. George Ockack was was out as well. Um, but you know, that aside, um, you know, we ha- we have had a bit of uh, unfortunate luck uh, in the past, but injuries happen. They happen to everyone. Um, it's about how you deal with them. Uh, you know, we don't want to make that a storyline of, of what we're doing. Um, it's a next man up mentality, and we're a lot deeper than we have been in years past as well. So we feel like we're equipped to be able to handle that, and it's just about getting on, get, getting on with the job. They got you early in the season. I mean, they're playing great basketball. They're, they're top of the table for a reason. What gives you the confidence you can get the result next weekend? Oh, look, these derbies, uh, as you've seen in, in other sports and, and, and definitely uh, here within, within uh, our one with Melbourne United, anything can happen in these games. Uh, there is a intense rivalry between the clubs and it's just building year on year. So, uh, you know, you go into to every single one of these uh, knowing anything can happen. It's the team that sort of shows up and is ready to put in the fight that is going to come away with a win. Saw the story on, I think it was Channel 9 News the other night. You're launching the, the, the Phoenix Foundation this week, which is you know giving back to schools and young people. Just tell us how that all works and uh, who, will, who will benefit from it. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm really happy that we're able to, to, to launch this. And it's a way that you know, the general public can get involved and, and sort of donate towards, um, I guess, helping us continue to do the great work that we're doing in the community through our Phoenix SOAR program which is aimed at our primary school kids and helping them sort of deal with uh, you know, issues around mental health and recognising and dealing with their, their emotions. So, you know, really excited to get this out uh, and, and hoping we can drive a good response. How can people get involved if they want to? Uh, so you can do through sort of ticket tech, through your ticket purchasing. You can, you can uh, sort of round up your, your, your ticket purchase or you can just make uh, straight donations to, to the foundation. Beautiful. Uh, thanks for your time, Tommy. Great response yesterday, as we mentioned. And uh, we love a throwdown in this city. And uh, with the form that both teams are in, it's going to be an absolute cracker next week. I'm sure it'll be a full house and uh, good luck. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Tommy Greer, South East Melbourne Phoenix CEO. Watch the Hungry Jacks NBL on ESPN. It's shaping to be another great season. Just a reminder tonight, it is Melbourne United v the Perth Wildcats. Uh, coming up... After 2 o'clock, we're going to chat to Adam Gilchrist about all things World Cup and the old West Test, which is being launched over in Perth pretty much as we speak alongside his great mate in 
Justin Langer, Stefan Negro from the victory after that very fiery game against Adelaide on the weekend, which ended all square, 1-1. And Brett Phillips, as he does on a Monday, to take us through the world of tennis, getting you know the business in WTA tour finals, ATP tour finals. Not that far away, and we'll be talking about the Australian Open. Give us a call, one 736 736 Before we get to the break, let's get to Johnny in Port Augusta, who's been holding on. Hey, Johnny. Hi, right, Jimmy. I've got a couple of blokes who miss him over yes. glory. Who you got for us? Josh Franco and Matthew Barmas from Port Adelaide. Yes. God, so it's two such great players for your footy yeah, club. They and, yeah, they were great for Adelaide players in the early days of the power. You're right. They yeah. were great players in the early days. Oh, especially, jo- I think Josh Franco was highly underrated you know, across this side of the border. He was a star. He's a fantastic player. He's as good a... He's as, Got an inside player in, in combined spaces as I've seen. In combined spaces. Yeah, he was tough as nails as well. Thanks for your call, Johnny. Speaking of South Australians, good point here. He hadn't announced his retirement at the time, but Stephen Kernahan pulled his hamstring and limped off in the first quarter of what ended up being his last game in 1997. Getting a little bit of feedback, too, about... Uh, the Essendon finals drought and whether that is over if the girls beat the Cats on Sunday. We might go through a few of those. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Adam Gilchrist is going to join us uh, in the next hour, chat the Cricket World Cup and the launch of the West Test, which uh, himself and Justin Langer are announcing pretty much as we speak. Stefan Negro from the Melbourne Victory after that very spicy game on Saturday night. Underrated rivalry in Australian sport. Melbourne victory v Adelaide United and BP with all the latest tennis news. Still got a $100 Peter Jackson voucher. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything with suits from $399. So we are talking earlier this uh, half an hour about uh, Bombers. They win on Saturday. Drought, over. 7,002 days, whatever it is, over. Get rid of the Twitter page, all that stuff. So I got a bit of feedback on that. Forget that. It won't count. It'll still be 7,000-plus days. AFLW wasn't a thing when it started. Go Blues. Now, on the weekend, I'm happy to cop grief from Hawthorne supporters, Bulldog supporters, anyone that's won a flag since Essendon in 2000, but not Carlton supporters. Okay, you won a final in 2011. You won a final in 2013, by default, when you didn't finish in the top eight, and you won two this year. Okay, is winning finals what the game about, is it? Carlton. I'm pretty sure chronologically, 2000, more recent than 1995. So why don't you just save your 140 characters and come back to me when you win a flag before giving the bomber stick for not winning a final? Because it ain't, it ain't about winning finals. It's about winning premierships and we are definitely number one. Not since 1995, John. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Essendon, Carlton and Collingwood, all now on 16. And we, as Essendon people... Uh, one, one day closer to our next premiership. Uh, love it, Julio. If the Essendon women win a final, take it as a moral victory for the men. So English cricket style. If Essendon win, yep, get rid of the 7,000 days. If we lose, I'm going into hiding again, says Zook. And we were talking about uh, West Coast uh, before. Another one here. Yeah, nice try, Julian, but it doesn't count. And you know it, says Brad from Fraser Rice. No, I don't know it. It actually counts. Uh, as a West Coast supporter, I can accept being at the bottom given the horrible run of injuries we've suffered. Four premierships more than compensate for the bad times. Cheers, Big L. Yeah, it's just been tough. It'll be better next year. 
uh, though, for West Coast. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Beautiful day here in Melbourne. It's going to be a cracker for Melbourne Cup Day as well. Adam Gill, Chris Stefan Negro from the Victory, Brett Phillips. We'll get back to the call of the card uh, with Gareth Hall in about half an hour's time as well. Just a community service update for our producer, Mitch Scott. The sweep is for Andy and Gazy. So don't call now to try and get into the sweep. You call, you get on, you get a horse. Uh, in the sweep between 3 and 5.30 with Andy Marr and Andrew Gaze. Okay, it's time to chat some cricket. So much to talk about. Study business at Cricket Victoria, powered by RMIT. Visit melbournecricketeducationacademy.com.au. And there's plenty to talk about with our next guest, including the World Cup and the West Test, which has been launched in the last half an hour. Cricket legend and Fox Cricket commentator Adam Gilchrist joins me. And reminder, catch every match of the 2023 ICC World Cup live, ad-free and in HD on Foxtel and KO. Hello, Gilly. How are you? Good to chat. There's uh, plenty going on, hey, around the cricketing landscape. Absolutely heaps. We're going to get stuck into the World Cup very shortly because it was another uh, great weekend of action uh, over in India today. But you're teaming up with your old mate Justin Langer today to launch the West Test at Perth Stadium. Uh, What's this all about? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just... um Oh, really just trying to make sure that we, we keep uh, Perth and, and Western Australia on the, on the map in amongst um, what, what can be perceived as busy summer schedules. Uh, there's a few iconic test matches around that have been in the landscape for a long, long time. Boxing Day straight away comes to mind, the Sydney New Year's test, and even Adelaide, uh, to an extent, in a, a shorter history, has had the day-night test matches, although I don't think that's happening this summer, but... Um, but certainly there's been some iconic Perth test matches over the years and obviously going back through the history at the WACA, uh, now with the, the this state-of-the-art amazing uh, venue that is Perth Stadium uh, that has played host to some already iconic moments, but probably more so in short version cricket. And we, who can forget you know, the, the, the thriller in the Big Bash final um, at the end of last season where the Perth Scorchers got up. But um, the, the test cricket... Um, at, at Perth Stadium is is building its own little bit of history and uh, so going to be called now the, the, the West Test and uh, not only that, um, this year there's going to be, in a, in a world of big stadiums and a lot <laughs> of um, seated areas where we're, we're recreating a few iconic features that, that were always uh, apparent at the WACA and have been around other cricket grounds the world, around the world but the good grass embankment, the hill, the good old-fashioned hill so that in amongst the um, all the modern cons and, and comforts of a of a brilliant stadium that is Perth Stadium uh, for the Test match, there's going to be a, a hill reinstated or not well not reinstated but put in uh, at one section of the ground so you can get around there and um, kick back on the grass under an umbrella or get the kids with the bat and the ball out and just relax and and take in the cricket and, and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I'm sure the locals will love that. I mean, there's been a bit of talk on this side of the country with with you know some of the crowds for Perth Test matches in recent years. Has there been a bit of talk locally about maybe it's just been a little bit disappointing so far that uh, we haven't had great crowds for Test cricket at the Perth Stadium? Yeah, I think that's something that that needs to be looked at, I mean, uh, and has been looked at. I mean, you've got to take into account a number of things too that that due to reasons we don't need to go into, everyone's aware of through Mm. the COVID situation. Perth was a pretty tough place to 
get out of, let alone get into. Um, so <laughs> that, that's all, all in um, that's all in the past. So that that definitely uh, well took Test cricket off the landscape for a little bit. We we then sort of been given a couple of uh, I would say not so high profile Test matches. Yeah, <laughs> um, West Indies aren't the glamour team uh, anymore. It's fair to say. No, that's right. So, um, so it, it, it's just trying to make sure that um, we stimulate the interest in the game or kept maintain the interest. I, I think, I think wherever you go, that the, the test numbers, as far as attendances, can be pretty wobbly. Um, you know, we know the iconic series of Ashes and and most likely India are the ones where they bankroll the big numbers, uh, and the other ones uh, around the world can go you know up and down. And um, Perth not immune to that. So. Hopefully we can create the environment that people want to get along and, and be a part of. It, clearly, it's not going to fill out a 60,000-seat stadium. Um, that's not, I don't think, anyone in anyone's um, sense of reality, but certainly creating an environment that people want to go along and, and, and maintain that. I think there's always a passive love and following of Test cricket. It's always on in the background at mm. home through the summer. It is one of the sounds of summer. So um, whether it's radio or, um, or on TV... Uh, so hopefully people can um, convert that into wanting to go out there and make that environment at Perth Stadium, bring the traditions of the WACA um, for the men's games to, to Perth Stadium. And, and also the other thing that Australia have in the women's format is a test match in Perth as well, which will be played at the WACA, which is fantastic. So that history and heritage continues. Do we underestimate on this side of the country, Gilly, how much you know Western Australians and Perth people just love the Wacker, and therefore there is a bit of a transition stage across to, to the new Perth Stadium. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I think the um, the Wacker was so iconic, wasn't it? Not just uh, as far as a, a state um, facility, uh, but, but within Australia yeah. and, and globally. There was cricketers around the globe. You know, Alan Donald springs to mind that all he ever wanted to do growing, growing up was bowl fast the whacker, which he did do one day. Actually, he hit me right in the head. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, because that's the iconic status that it, it had around the cricketing world. So um, I think the pitch, you know, we're seeing signs of the pitch that is now in Perth Stadium showing all the characteristics of the old whacker fiery wicket. Um so, you know, Pat, I think what, what's happening this summer with the, the Hill and, um, and, and the West Test being branded with, a, I guess, from a marketing point of view and an awareness point of view, hopefully that, that does bring not just new people in, but, but, but the older patrons that do love the Wacker to come over and, and, and try it out at Perth Stadium. Talking to Adam Gilchrist, Australian cricket legend and Fox cricket commentator. Before I get on to the Aussies' win over England on Saturday night, uh, Gilly, India just looked absolutely awesome at the moment. I mean, they destroyed South Africa last night, who have been, you know, the second best team in this World Cup, clearly. I mean, can you see them being beaten? It's looking like... (laughs) It looks unlikely, but I can see it happening. It's possible. There's no doubt about that. Um, You you get to the knockout stages, which is effectively just the semi and and the final. They're the two cutthroat games, aren't they? So... uh, there's a chance that they could stumble if if someone uh, posts a big score. It was interesting, the tactics of India. Um, I think the moment they won that toss and batted, it was always going to be uh, tough for, for South Africa coming bad. It's been well documented that South Africa loved to bat first. I, I, I wondered whether India might even sent them in mm. and allowed them to, to play their South Africa, their, their game plan, almost 
save what happened last night for potentially a knockout game, a semi or a final. Uh, I know you can't dictate the toss. It's always a bit of a lot. Well, it is a lottery, but um, almost do the reverse psychology and say, OK, we'll let you play your game and, and maybe we'll still win given the balance that we've got and the ability that India have. Um, yeah, but they, they decided to bury them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they did that. A bit concerning in this... Uh, well, was it concerning? I don't know what... Just the blowout results yeah. have been extraordinary, um, and not just the, you know, normally we see those sort of numbers three four three thirty playing eighty when it used to be, you know, England versus Holland or Australia versus Namibia or someone like that. But we're seeing mm. top level nations just blowing each other apart, um, and you know everyone sort of thought that it's a it's a bat second sort of tournament with Jew coming in and that's what you do. You send the opposition in, but geez, it's backfired on a few teams. And now it seems all almost old school, certainly India's approach, get them on the board um, and then come out with a, an absolute world-class bowling lineup that they've just got every base covered. So they are the form team, but yeah, uh, it, it is possible that someone can knock him over on, on any given day. In his own words, our own Jared Waitley labelled this England side as graceless pillocks earlier today. What have you made of their demise in this tournament? And I know you wicket keepers like to stick together, but what do you make of Johnny Bairstow going out first ball? <laughs> yeah, the, the smile, the laughter on uh, Mitchell Stark's face probably said it all. But, um, <laughs> gee, I keep offering stuff up, don't mm. they, for, for us to critique, but um, oh, I can understand Joe Root pre-game saying, you know, in in public space, wants to support his team and show that they're unified, so he said, I'd take my team over the Aussies any day, but I, I, I didn't sort of see the full extended quotes of that, whether he's talking about this particular one-day group or England cricket or whatever it may be, but um, it's just, it's just interesting things that you know, come out um, at uh, about all this. And, you know, and Stuart Broad, you know, he's retired now. He can say what he wants, but he's still mm. still doing all his interviews and his victory lap, um, talking about various things, what happened at Lords and how he was embarrassed by it. But it doesn't look like he's that embarrassed the way they're sort of still talking about it. And um, and it was Ben Stokes who said we're not talking about the Ashes. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's interesting, and and there's clear what what it looks like is there's clearly uh, no love lost between the player groups. It's it's been pretty heated for a while, and um, I suspect both teams just want to get on and play cricket. And Australia is playing better cricket than England at the moment. Um, simple as that. So the Aussies would have enjoyed that, um, but you know they've got to focus on the whatever's left at hand now. Yeah, not much for England to uh, look forward to for the rest of the tournament, but the Aussies basically qualified for the semi-finals now. Got matches against yep. Afghanistan and Bangladesh coming up. If Glenn Maxwell is available this week, who do you think makes way for him in that in that lineup? Oh, probably Cam Green, mm. I guess. Um, yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, Wenders. Not sure what Mitch Marsh's movements are by way of when. I'm not sure if, if they've stated yet when, where, if and when he might get back to the group. But, um, uh, yeah, certainly if Max is available, he's sort of straight back in there. And I, I would think it's Cam Green at the moment. And then, uh, because Maxie's bowling's been exceptional as well. Um, so you're not, you're not losing out either way there with bat or ball. 
Adam Zamp has been in magnificent form uh, all tournament. Uh, man of the match performance. Overall, I mean, the Aussies have won five matches in a row now. They've got themselves there. They're going to play in the semi-finals. But do you still feel like collectively we're a little bit off our best still and we're going to have to find another level if we're to beat an India or a South Africa in a semi? Uh, look, the batting's been pretty good. Um, people have been a bit... Uh, a bit disappointed with the middle or lower middle order when you know the the, the top two get partnerships of 270 and 170. <laughs> not <laughs> often. It tough. Not mm. often. It's not often in limited overs cricket where the entire batting unit fire, because typically if if your top two or three have done what what Davy and, and Mitch and then Travis coming in have done, you, you come in. I mean, Glenn Maxwell said it himself in Bangalore when. On, after batting behind Mitch and 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 Davey, what two hundred and seventy odd or whatever against Pakistan, you, you just eyes are rolling a little bit, and you're too eager to you know you feel like oh well it must be five hundred on here. I mean, so no one's ever got five hundred. <laughs> They've got close, and that'll happen. But um, yeah, it's it's not often that that every batter uh, goes out mm. there and absolutely nails it. So I, I think we've got to not get too greedy. <laughs> um, the, the batting unit's been exceptional. Warren has been, you know, hitting the ball as cleanly as as ever. Um, you know, he's he's taken some opportunities that have been afforded to him and, and absolutely cashed in on them. Uh, so, and the bowling, Zamp has really clicked in the gear now. He's starting to dominate, and oh, I'm comfortable enough with the bowling that that's there. So I I, I think they're. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's been a few performances where it's been a little bit one or two out without a complete team performance. But again, I just don't think it, that happens all that often in white version cricket where you where you get absolute everyone clicking at the one time. So they're they're building nicely, and they'll be pretty pretty confident that Afghanistan have got their tails up. Mm. That could could be a little challenge depending on what the, the wickets like, and then Bangladesh. Um, you know, they are out of it, obviously, well and truly, but um, I'm sure they'll look to spoil the party. Absolutely, but uh, Aussie's got a pretty good record in World Cup semi-finals, so we should have a bit of confidence mm-hmm. going in. Uh, Adam, well done with everything with the West Test at the Perth Stadium, uh, alongside your good mate, uh, Justin Langer. Thanks for your time, and uh, we can't wait for the, the real business end of the World Cup. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be should be good to good to watch, and uh, and then a big summer of cricket. Um, get along down to the West Test if you're around and get the chance, or if not, tune in on, on Fox. <laughs> Absolutely, reminder: catch every game of the 2023 ICC Cricket World Cup live and ad free on Foxtel and KO. That was our cricket update. Study business at Cricket Victoria, powered by RMIT. Oh, he's off. Here in Kunda, the second yellow card. Connor Chapman comes to tell him, well, "You've got a field for Nestor here in Kunda." Yeah, I guess so. Um, obviously, um, poor decision. I uh, don't understand why I got both yellows. The first one was soft, I guess. second one was a bit of frustration. Got fouled. It's clear. Go watch your back. Everybody's saying it's a foul. The referees keep telling us that they're going to protect the good players, but I didn't see any protection for Nesta. Nesta has to um, be better, um, and it's something that we're working with him. Um, with his frustration. Obviously it's a learning step and um, obviously I'm grateful to have a um, team like these boys here um, give me a quick word or two.
That audio, courtesy of Channel 9 in Adelaide, it was a tough night for Adelaide young gun Nesta Irakundis, red carded on the final whistle, but it was a game full of incidents. It ended one all, been lucky enough to be joined for a coffee, McCafe coffee catch-up, Barista Made Ice Cold drive through for your ice coffee favourites at McCafe by Melbourne Victory Defender Stefan Negro. Hello, Stefan. Hi, how are you going? Very well. Uh, it, we are just saying before, it, it is one of the most underrated rivalries in Australian sport, Melbourne Victory versus Adelaide United. All the emotion was on show there again on Saturday night. Just give us an insight into what was happening out there and, and how much sort of tension is there between these teams every time they play? Yeah, I think um, obviously it's uh, the original rivalry since um, 2005 when, you know, and, and all these years later, almost 20 years, it's still every game we play, you know, if we play at Coopers, they play here. It always is a, is quite a special game. And, um, you know, on on the, on the weekend, that it, it didn't disappoint in regards to that and also the, the quality of football as well. What was the emotion afterwards, uh, you know, conceding a, a relatively late goal? What was the feeling like and what was the message from Tony? Um, I think we mainly took, you know, uh, the positives from, from the game. I think um, we created a lot more chances. We, we dominated from, from start to finish and, you know, we showed a lot of character as well going down to, down to 10 men. Um, I think we, you know, really showed our, you know, level of quality football-wise and fitness to, to we could have snatched two or three goals in, in that period. So, um, you know, I think based off the three games we've played so far, that was that was the best one. Just watching the game, it looked like from afar that there was sort of an intent to make sure you were nice and physical with Nesta Irakunda, who's made a great start to the season and we can all see the talent that he's got. Was, was that a plan going in or was that just sort of how it unfolded? No, definitely not. Um, I think no matter who... It, from from my, I mean, I came on in the 15th or 16th minute. No matter which player I'm playing on, I think um, you know you've got to, as a defender, you've got to be aggressive in the in the right way on the ball, not to not to hurt anyone. I think there was, no, there was no message regards to that. Obviously, he's a he's a super talented player, and he's he's only so young. He's got a big bright future, um, and you know I wish him all the best. But obviously, not just against us. Yeah, fair enough too. Could you could you sense him getting frustrated the longer the game went on? Um, I mean, I wasn't focusing too much on that. I think naturally, you know, obviously, in that period, you know, didn't maybe score or assist anything. Like for for wingers, that's obviously how they get judged a lot of the time. But um, I think we we really dominated the game in general. So for um, we, we we played well with the ball, without the ball, and you see all the chances we created. We were the ones causing most of the trouble. So I just think for their for their wingers, it wasn't really their night. You came on, as you said, early in the game. Adama Traore went off with a... It looked pretty nasty. Any update on how long you, Adama might be missing for? No, uh, we had recovery yesterday um, and we, we had today off. So I'll see Adama tomorrow at training. Um, I hope, you know, it's a, it's a quick recovery for him. He's obviously added a lot of experience uh, you know, to to the team coming back in, he's a great person, great player. So he he adds a lot for us. So I hope it's only a short, a short recovery time. We're chatting to Stefan Negru from Melbourne Victory after their uh, one-all draw against Adelaide on the weekend. Been a really good start to the season, undefeated, second on the table, uh, just behind Adelaide on goal difference. It was such a tough year last year, Stefan, for the club on and off the pitch. It looks like watching it's a 
a different feel this year. What's, I know it's only very early days, but what's changed from last season to this season? Um, yeah, as, as you said, it's, it's, we're only three games in, so you know there's a long, there's a long way to go. I think in terms of change, I, I don't think I can pinpoint one thing. I'm just taking you know the way we've started. Like it's such a long preseason. We play a lot of uh, you know local MPL teams. We played more A League teams towards the back end, and until you really play round one, you don't you know it's it's you don't really know how it's going to go. But we're very confident and believed. Um, what we can do, and we went away round one to win Sydney, which is not an easy trip. I think that you know really showed what gave us a lot of even more belief. And then you know the last two games at home, um, with the with the big game against Adelaide last week, I think it showed exactly um, you know what we're capable of, and we only you know we believe we can continue to get better every week um, as it's only so early in the season. So the the, the team's feeling really confident. We're a very tight knit group, and um, yeah, so far it's been. Uh, really enjoyable these first three games. The league as a whole has been a really good start to this season. You know, 28 goals uh, across the round last week. Uh, your opponent's coming up this week, Wellington. They put five past Brisbane. Uh, I'm not sure how much football you watch outside of, you know, victory games. But um, in terms of the league and being entertaining and you saw the physicality the other night, it's been, it's been a really good start to the year. Yeah, it has. I, I, I watch the uh, games when I can. Uh, you know, the team we're coming up against this week, I watch their previous few games as well. I think um, so far, yeah, there's been you know very, there's been a lot of goals. There's been you know obviously it's great seeing young players come through as well. We had a few debut on the weekend, so that that adds to it as well. Um, and the turnout for the games has been really good as well. So um, yeah, so far, uh, it's, yeah, it's been really exciting. I just hope it continues to grow. It's been one of those fortunate uh, young men that, you know, went. You, you grew up barracking for victory, went through the academy, played, and then you, you went away. You've come back. You don't have had some ups and downs in between. It, does it, you've been back a couple of years now. Does it feel different second time around coming back to the club that you know so well? Um, to, yeah. Growing up support, you know, I used to go and watch those original rivalry games when I was young. To, to be able to play in them is an honour for me. Um, you know, I'm really proud to be able to put on that shirt and I think, you know, for me, whatever, every game I play, um, I'm, I'm super grateful. So I think between the two stints, I, like for me, obviously I've, I've grown matured in age, but the, the feeling of, you know, pride is still there every time I get to walk onto Amy Park or, you know, wherever I play. But mainly Amy Park, obviously, because of the home games. Yeah, back there this week, Friday night at Amy Park, uh, up against the Wellington Phoenix, who, as we say, coming off a very good 5-2 win over Brisbane. Uh, Stefan, it was great entertainment on Saturday night. Let's hope it's a similar story at Amy Park, but this time you get the three points. Thanks for your time. Thank you. No problem. Stefan Negro, thanks to Maccas. 30 Days, 30 Deals is back at Maccas. Time for Lost in the Wash, thanks to RJ Sanderson. A couple of interesting results in the English Premier League last night. Liverpool held to a one-all draw. Well, it was for the NFL, but uh, that's okay. We'll get there in a second. Uh, one-all draw uh, by Luton. And Nottingham Forest beat Aston Villa, who have been in great form, uh, 2-0. Now, if you don't want to know the NFL scores uh, from today, uh, look away now. Channel 7 style, late 80s. 
uh, early 90s. Some really close games. There's one game going on at the moment. Uh, it's the Bengals and the Bills. Uh, Bengals 21-10. Texans beat the Buccaneers 39-37. Great game between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, won by the Eagles 28-23. Uh, that is for Lost in the Wash. And let's get back to the call in of the card. Gareth Hall, SEN track host. He's live at the call of the card. Gareth, uh, any movement? Hello, Jules. There's been a little bit of movement. Serpentine, they're back to win a bit of money. Um, I think a half a million dollars. I think Miles Fitz is next to me right now, and he's analysing the markets here. True Marvel was the first horse that they put up. Robbie Waterhouse bet... Um, one punter, four thousand dollars at two hundred and fifty to one to win a million dollars. That Oof. punter, so there's a little bit of money going around. Miles Fitchner is one of the great judges in SEN Tracks' very own. He wants to play. He, he want to punt today, here, Milo. Uh, we might take some over. He wants the Scotcher, and right, you are at a prime. Right. So he's going to put his hand up and see if we can get on at the moment. Right next to me, we've got Liam Baker, Nathan Broad. Um, Jack Graham, if you're the Tigers, Tiger yes. boys, they've got Sulkham yep. involved. And um, I think they want to punt maybe, I think Johnny O'Neill wants to bet like 50,000 at 14 to 1 or 15 to 1 if he gets that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of money being thrown around here, Jules. How much money have you got for me to, to spend today? Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, how are the Tigers boys feeling about uh, Sulkham? They're a little bit nervous. They joined us on SEN Track 54. They just don't want him to miss the start. Yeah, they've had a bet already. Yeah, and they've had a bet on interpretation, which is another one of Johnny O'Neill's horses. So they've already put their hand up. But I think they're excited, but a little nervous because he's been missing the kick. And if he misses the kick, he's probably out of play tomorrow. But if he can jump um, with them or even just miss it by a length or so, I think he's a big chance Sulkin in tomorrow's cup. How was your form on Saturday? Seemed like a pretty tough day for most. Yeah, it was a tough day, Jules. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was, a, it was a really tough day. I think the wind played a little bit of a, a little bit of havoc with the, the, the pattern. And um, apart from Spacewalk, he was the only winner I tipped. Sardozzi and a tissue. I was keen on both run second. So, so we were close, but close is not good enough these days. So. Um, Hopefully tomorrow we have a little bit more luck, Jules. Exactly. And just on, you mentioned the wind there on Saturday. It's obviously going to be pretty – it's yep. warm today. It's warm tomorrow, so the track's going to be pretty firm. Does that hinder any of these horses that might have wanted a little bit softer? Gold trip, and I think there's a question mark on the favourite Vaughan Baron. Now, he hasn't really been tested on top of the ground because he does a lot of his racing, of course, in Europe. And they say he'll handle it pretty well. Um, there's, just, there's a big bet going on here. How much are they going to put Milo? This is Latoshka, the the French the French galloper. Yeah, they're betting to win two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand here with Latoshka. Unbelievable money here. Yeah, so it'll firm in. So I think the win. Um, what I was saying, I, I think there'll be horse like without a fight that'll benefit with the. The, the firmness of the track, but Gold Trip, I think, the big loser last year's champ. Um, if he had, if there was a little bit of rain around, he'd really start favourite. Beautiful, Gareth. There, that's money there. They're throwing around that you and I have got absolutely no idea about. Uh, thanks for your time and uh, enjoy Thank the rest you. of the call. Of the card. All right, mate. Thanks for that. A hundred thousand. I'm only joking.
<laughs> no chance. You won't shout a ten dollar beer, let alone hundred grand on a horse. Uh, that was Gareth Hall, SEN Track host, live at the call of the Cardboards Gambling, really costing you for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Welcome back to the show, Brett Phillips, SEN tennis expert. Not far away, but for then, Paul in Coburg is. Uh, Called up on the Werribee Kia Open Line Award, a national Kia Car Dealer of the Year, where the customer comes first. G'day, Paul. Hey, Jules. How are you going? Good, mate. What do you got for us? Just on the cricket commentary, um, I've listened to the telecast on Channel 9. I don't know if you heard Shane Watson's commentary. I just wondered what you thought of it. And I I miss David Lloyd because of his great accent. <laughs> I think we all miss Bumble. Uh, it was a great accent. He's a great comment. I don't mind Shane Watson. I know he does... He does polarise a little bit, Shane Watson, with his commentary. What do you think, Paul? Oh, I think he's something new. Um, I think he's got a, a really good speaking voice, and I think um, he's obviously got the runs, as you say, the runs on the board. So um, I think he's a, 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 somebody they could use in Australia commentary, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think he's pretty good, Paul. And as I was saying, there's been a bit of feedback about his commentary, but I think in the main, he, he's pretty good. And as you say, he's a new voice, which sometimes uh, we need. Thanks for your call, Paul. $100 Peter Jackson voucher coming your way. Dress up, stand out, be seen in Peter Jackson this summer. The look is everything with suits from 399 bucks. A lot going on in the world of tennis. The WTA Tour Finals, the APT Tour Finals, uh, not too far away. And the WTA Final uh, is not too far away at all between uh, Jessica Bagula and Iga Sviantec. Uh, joining us now to discuss all that is SEN Tennis commentator and host of the First Serve, 8pm tonight, of course, on SEN. Uh, BP, hello, BP. Hello, Jules. Good to chat. Uh, there's a lot on the line in this WTA Tour final, the title and the world number one ranking. Well, this has been an extraordinary week, Jules. I don't know if you've seen some of the footage from uh, what is, you know, if you think of uh, Cancun in Mexico. You're I think tennis. Beach, beautiful weather. You're thinking tennis. You're thinking. <laughs> but the WTA decided to have it during what they term as the rainy season uh, over there in Cancun. And it's been, it's been quite comical, actually. Not smart. There's been that many delays. People trying to put up umbrellas like we all do, and it's flying left, right and centre, uh, torrential rain. And we've had to go an extra day to get the whole thing completed, which will be tomorrow morning uh, our time, because, uh, yeah, it's been a tough week. The players have been very vocal about it on social media. Steve Simon, the WTA CEO, he's not answering any media calls mm. at all. He's gone he's gone <laughs> AWOL. But, yeah, look, Pagula, Sviantec, I mean, they're two of the leading players. They'll compete for the title tomorrow. Iga was very good today, beating Irina Sabalenka in that um, uh, revised uh, semi-final. And then we've got an Aussie flavour in the doubles, which is uh, terrific. Ellen Perez uh, teaming up with Nicole Malika-Martinez. They've been together for quite some time on the tour. Won their semi today. So we'll have an Aussie with a chance uh, to win uh, the doubles of the WTA finals. And the other big news today, Storm Hunter, who got knocked out in the semis today, is now the new world number one doubles player, which is absolutely uh, brilliant. And she'll go on to Spain this week to, of course, play in the Billie Jean King Cup team. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, uh, the Billie Jean King finals this week in Seville. Uh, what uh, what do you think about the Aussies' chances here? Well, we've got a, a group stage we should get through. Uh, Slovenia, it'll be 8 o'clock tomorrow night on the screens of uh, Channel 9. You can tune in. And then we play Kazakhstan on Thursday night at 8 o'clock as well. So, you know, on paper, we should be able to get through 
uh, both those ties to progress us to the semi-finals and then the final across the weekend. But it's interesting with the late finishing Cancun. Mm. Uh, you know, obviously Storm and Ellen Perrys have got to make the quick dash to get across because it's a what a Tuesday morning start in Spain. So very quick turnaround. Isla Tomjanovic, Darius Seville, Kim Birrell, they're all on the ground in Spain preparing with Alicia Mollick, who will be our special guest on the first serve tonight. Of course, her swan song is the Billy Jean King Cup captain, 10 years from the role. So we'll have a chat to Alicia on the show. And look, they were runner-up last year. Every chance they could maybe go one better. Incredible spirit, like we have in our Davis Cup team as well, Jules. Just going back to the WTA finals in Cancun, BP, I know there's been a bit of feedback from the players and our arena Sabalenka, for one, wasn't pleased. Well, what will be, as you said, the, the boss has gone AWOL, but what will the fallout be after this tournament? It certainly has been, you know, it's a, it's a big event, but it's been far from perfect. Yeah, well, Martina Navratilova didn't mince her words, the great Martina mm. on the weekend. Uh, you know, she thought Steve Simon who's had nine years in the role, probably should be dispensed of. In fact, I think in the history of the WTA, they've only had three appointments where the CEO president, they tend to term it over there, is a female. Um, so there's a lot of people calling for that. Uh, whether that you know changes the whole landscape, it's hard to tell. I mean, the WTA as an organisation isn't thriving like the ATP financially. And you know they're talking to the Saudis at the moment. The Saudi Arabia is talking to everyone in tennis, trying to get their um, trying to get in. And obviously, there's a lot of money involved in that. But it's more delicate on the women's side, obviously, with what goes on in that country. Uh, so yeah, you'll have to answer some questions at some point. But yeah, they need a home. That event has been, uh, of course, it was in Shenzhen for ten years until COVID hit. It yep. hasn't gone back to China, and then we keep hop skipping everywhere. They need, they need a five to ten year deal somewhere around the world. So the men get underway at the end of the week in Turin, I think, uh, the men this year. Gee, be brave to back against Novak. I mean, if you win 40 tournaments in a career, you've had an amazing career. He's won 40 Masters titles. It's it's just phenomenal. And, you know, the the two sounds in tennis this week have been the roaring winds in Cancun (laughs) and those those Parisian chills who boo anything. I mean, they booed him off court twice last week because he went for a costume change after playing a high-absorbing hour and 10-minute set, which you do at the top of the men's game, and just needed to get a nice clean top and a pair of shorts. He was ringing wet. And they booed him off. They just boo everything. The Parisians have got to just pipe it down a little yeah. bit over there in Paris. No, phenomenal effort. Phenomenal effort. He beat Grigor Dimitrov quite comfortably in the final. But, gee, those... Matches against Andre Rublev in the semi, Holger Runa in the quarterfinals. Uh, they were pretty epic clashes, but yeah, the older uh, the older statesman finds a way to see off the younger pups. Who's his greatest challenge? Do you think coming up in Turin? Well, it'll be interesting with Alcaraz. I mean, he obviously bowed out early in Paris. Um, he's probably not absolutely firing on all cylinders, which you know we expect. There's some peaks and troughs. As good as he's been, I mean, he's still you know. Still a young man um, on this tennis tour, so there's a bit of wear and tear there. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's sort of those two. I mean, Medvedev obviously is very good on a hard court. It's indoors. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably the three leading players, but who knows? It's a round-robin format. Things can happen. You know, it's a pretty good field, uh, to be totally honest. But, you know, it's hard to go past Djokovic, who has um, had a, a nice break between the US Open and now, so he, he finishes off with two big tournaments pretty much back-to-back, and He'll uh, go in as the red-hot favourite, no doubt, for Melbourne in January. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, aside from Alicia Mollick, uh, what else on the show tonight, BP? 
Well, I actually just spoke to a little pre-recorder, a great man who uh, not many people would know, if, unless you follow tennis, his name's Tom Downs. It's an it's a incredible chat of a guy born in Launceston who dreamed of taking his playing and coaching career to the US, and he, he's worked in the south of Florida for a long time, which is really tennis mecca. That's where all the big academies are. It's a great chat. Tune in after... Uh, eight tonight uh, to that one, and we'll just uh, we'll flick around here, there, and everywhere, Jules, covering every uh, every ounce of tennis and beyond. Beautiful, BP. It's a must listen for any tennis fan. Uh, it's of course tonight, the first serve, eight pm tonight on SEN. Thanks for your time, BP. Beautiful, thank you. Chat soon uh, at business end of the tennis season. ATP Masters getting underway in Turin at the end of the week.